Father, we speak a word of grace over Ryan as he brings the word and over each uh, subsequent speaker tonight in Jesus' great name. Amen. Amen. I'm bringing a short scripture. James 1, 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Now this sounds like nonsense. It's not joy. It's aggravation, and it's, it's, uh, it's challenging, and it's unpleasant. Um, and nobody likes it. Um, it's interesting that John uh, spoke of how long he has been saved. I was just thinking about this. Uh, I have spent this year exactly as many years walking with God as I have spent combined years walking separately from God. And there's a thing about coming back. And you imagine it's like coming back with your tail between your legs, like, oh, man, I should have never walked away. And so why did I walk away? Well, you know, if you had asked me at the time, I would have said, hypocrisy in the church, I've had enough. But I wanted to be bad. I wanted to do all the bad things and enjoy myself. Uh, and that's just what I felt like doing. And so I did. And I did it well. Now, why come back? Nobody comes back and they're like, well, why am I here? I didn't have anything to do on Sunday morning, and I was awake. No, never happens. You're back because you realize that it was a terrible idea these 20 years that you've spent being terrible, and and life has crushed you. It's unfortunate. So I thought in my foolishness, I am going to get by on determination, technical ability, ingenuity. I'm going to make my own way. I'm going to achieve all these things, and I am going to be fantastic. I might be famous. I will be rich. So I got so far. I did my best, right? I achieved several things. Um, You know, I won some stuff. I was in the newspaper. Um, I did well in my profession. But that is not what it takes to get out from under terrible things that will happen to you in your life. Because terrible things will happen to you in your life, no matter how good you are at things. And what have you got then? And uh, so after all this time, I thought to myself, this is, um, this is a situation. Uh, you know, I cannot, I cannot bear this. I cannot deal with what is going on. What do you do? Well, I don't know if anybody's watched Groundhog Day. But Bill Murray attempts to kill himself before he decides to turn his life around. He tries all this different stuff, trying to get the day to not repeat over and over again. And um, he's like, well, I can't seem to beat this. I think I'll kill myself. And then he can't, obviously, because he just wakes up the next day like he does. Um, and, and then he figures it out. So, I mean, like that's how stubborn we are in, in how much we want to be bad. Um, so I found myself in Compass Church, and I, I, what I'd like to talk about is uh, another time when we had one of these sort of situations where we, uh, you know, have people give testimonials and, and you know, the congregation gets to speak and this kind of thing. And so I found myself in the old Compass Church in that gymnasium with terrible acoustics, and I'm sitting in this chair, and who is sharing but Claudia? And she said something to this effect. God has delivered me from so many um, trials and tribulations that I'm not even surprised now when I, when I receive blessings, I just expect them. When bad things happen, I'm not worried at all. So two things come to mind. This lady is nuts. 
and her problems are not as bad as my problems. It's natural. Because when you come back after spending all that time away, you're in rough shape. You've been kicked around the block a little bit. I had been kicked around the block a little bit. Um, I was still the guy on the left. But I felt terrible. And so when you're in that shape and you hear people say certain things, like, well, leave your problems at the foot of the cross. Bring your problems to God. Jesus, take the wheel. But how? I didn't know how. I didn't know, well, you know, how do you... Like, this is a really like existential thing to have to do. How do I give my problems to God? And I didn't understand. Um, and so in these sort of early days, I struggled quite a bit um, trying to sort of get around the idea of my problems, of being able to lean on God for my problems. And, and when it came down to it, understanding that no matter what the situation is, it can be the worst thing. Like, um, how do I say this? You could cry out to God for your suffering because you have a cold, and it's really aggravating. Like one of those colds where you have to blow your nose all the time, and no amount of blowing your nose gets you a clear nose. Like, this is really annoying. Why am I suffering like this? And this could be a really bad time for you. It could also be a really bad time for somebody else who doesn't have food to eat. It could also be a really bad time for somebody who doesn't have somewhere to sleep. But in your moment in your life, your nose is running and it's aggravating. Um, this I see a lot on the SkyTrain. I get on the SkyTrain. I'm at the end of the line, so I get on and it's empty so I can sit down. And it's great. Now, if somebody sits down and I sit down beside them, invariably, <sighs> the worst is if they have a bag beside them. I don't suppose you could move your bag so I could sit down. Sometimes it's rush hour and there's only room to stand. And then somebody gets up and then somebody else is like, oh, I want to sit there. This is the same situation that we were just complaining about in the morning, right? You still have to sit beside, but now it's great. You get to sit. And it comes down to our perspective. Whatever the problem is, I mean, it's probably unfortunate. Um, it's probably something that you don't want to have to deal with. It's probably, it, it, it is probably bad. But it'll be over at some point and you'll be able to look over your shoulder and see all this line of things that in, an, in, in most situations, I think, with a godly person, you'll see like all of these terrible things led you to where you are. The word that came to me was hunger. And it says, blessed are they which hunger and do thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Um, just give you a little bit of background. In the last couple of months, or last few months, Pastor John, myself, and some of the prayer team have been praying that we would see greater things than these. For Jesus said when he left, he said, greater things than I have done, you are going to also do. Greater things. So you imagine the things you read in the Bible that Jesus did. That's a promise there that he gave, that you can do greater things. And I was realizing... <clears throat> as I was praying for this, that, you know, I just felt the spirit moving on me about the word hunger. You're not hungry enough. You're not hungry enough to experience these things. The reason why you're not seeing them is because there's not enough hunger for them. For God doesn't give a giant plate of food to a man who's full. But he will give a giant plate of food to a person who's starving. He does, he's not a God of waste, so he doesn't waste. So if we come here and we're not expecting and we're not filled up with the spirit, um, I, I just felt the God tell me that I was letting you guys down. 
I was missing the mark by not coming here prepared because when I wasn't prepared and when I wasn't ready to come um, and I wasn't sharing, the Spirit wasn't using me, somebody was missing out. You know, somebody here God wanted to speak to, he could have used me to speak to them and because I wasn't ready, because I was so in the flesh, that was, and that's the thing, I realized in my life I was feeding my flesh and I do, I'll admit it, I feed my flesh way more than I feed my spirit every day. We do it, we just have to admit that. But we have to change that, especially in these last days and this darkness that is upon us. We need to change the way that we used to do things. We can't be, we can't be lazy Christians anymore. We can't be sleepy. We've got to stand up. We've got to be ready because the enemy is coming for our children. He's coming for our families. He's coming for our church. And if we don't stand up and we don't put our tent pegs in the ground and say we're not pushed back anymore, we're moving forward, we're going to take ground. That's the attitude that the church needs to have. And that's the attitude that I need to have. And I just wanted to apologize to all of you because I actually failed in meeting that up to this point. But I want to make a commitment to you and to this church that from this point on, and as I've done, tried to do this week, and I said to John, I was all planned to be super spiritual this morning. I was going to worship the Lord. I was going to read the Bible. I was going to do all these things. And I was just going to be all filled up and ready to go when I got here. And then everything just bottom fell out. The whole thing went completely astray. And the next thing you know, I'm rushing around. I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, I don't even have time to pray. You know, I'm just on my way. And so I just thank God that I get an hour to drive here where I get to worship and I get to pray and I get to, you know, get, get into, that, into that spirit. But that's just not enough, I don't think, for me anymore. I want to do more. I really want to do more. Because I want to see people healed. I want to see people delivered. I want to see the promises that he said will do greater than these. I want to see it. And I'm calling him out. I, I can stand, I'm going to stand here right now and call out the Lord Jesus. I want to see greater things than these in this place. I want to see people come in here broken and leave transformed. Change, put back together. And the only way that's going to happen is if we, each one of us, loves on each other. We edify each other. We pray for each other. And we come here hungry. Come here expecting. Come here expecting. So I'm going to do my best from this point on to prepare myself. So that when I come to church, God can use me. You know, I pray, I say, Lord, I don't know what else, someone else needs to hear today, but you do. So I give myself to you as a living sacrifice today, acceptable and holy in your presence as my reasonable service to you and the kingdom to share the word, whether it be um, in, this, in this aspect or if it's sitting back there with a cup of coffee listening to somebody. You know, you don't always have to be talking either. You don't always have to be praying. Sometimes somebody just needs you to hear just want to say something they just want to get something out and uh, i don't know about you but sometimes i i I think i can fix it all myself i can do all these things myself i i i'll just worry about me and i'll fix myself and i'll try to do everything else for everybody else that doesn't work you're going to run yourself right out i've done it myself i've been i've actually ended up in the hospital as a result of doing everything in my flesh not being filled in the spirit and not following that so i just encourage each everyone here today Start to get hungry. Not for the things of the world. Try to fast the world. Don't fast food. You know, fasting food's great. Don't get me wrong. That's, that's a whole other place. But fast things in your life that normally took your attention away from Jesus. Right? Um, I have things in my life that I need to fast. To, that I need to fast. And I'm going to start beginning that this week. And I'm going to try to make a, a, a commitment to each and every one here. That I'm going to make a change in my life. So that I can be the brother that you guys need. Um, to pray for you, to edify you, just to be there for you. And I just wanted to say thank you to each and every one of you because you've done that for me. You 
people have talked to me when I needed to hear. They uh, listened to me when I had things I wanted to say. And I just appreciate each and every one of you. I love each and every one of you. And uh, again, I'm sorry for not being prepared in the past, but I promise you that I'm going to make a major attempt to change that in the future. Amen? I just wanted to finish one thing before I go. That said, uh, Pastor John was sharing about tithing, and it just hit me in the spirit. You know, we all need to tithe in the same way of our spirit. When we come here, come and give of ourselves. You know, you can give your money, that's great, don't get me wrong, but, but giving of yourself is way more important, way more important. So if we all came and just gave 10% of ourselves, you imagine if every person in this place just gave 10% of yourself towards everybody else here, we would be so full that we would be overflow. There would be so much overflow here, we wouldn't know what to do. So I just wanted to share this last scripture with you before I go. He says, uh, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, or there is liberty. Um, I want freedom. I don't know about you. I want liberty. I want to be free, set free. And so I just ask right now, Jesus, Father, we just come to you, Lord, and we just ask that you would put a hunger in our hearts, Father God, that you would just ignite the fire again, ignite the coals, Lord. We just ask that, Holy Spirit, you would be the bellows that blows upon our spirits, that brings us into a place, Lord where we are on fire again. Our first love has been reignited, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Okay, so today I would like to share with you what God has been speaking to me as of recent. And as you can see on the screen... I'll be talking about seeking God and sacrificing for him. Uh, Question for all of you. How many of you can say that they're seeking the Lord today, right now? Raise your hand. That's good. Uh, I I could say I am right now. But I have to be honest with you. About a month or two ago, I I still would have said yes to that same question. But looking back on it, I wasn't actually living as if I was seeking the Lord. In fact, I was seeking things of this world. And when we look at the world we live in, it, it, we all know it moves very fast. It, uh, it, sometimes we get caught up in stuff like the news or politics or, in my case, it was sports. I've, I've always followed sports. It's my entertainment. It's my relief. But a few weeks ago, I had an encounter with God. I was at work. I was on my break. I, I pulled out my phone, and I was just checking sports news like I always would. But then God spoke to me, and he entered my mind through a memory I had experienced. He reminded me of something that happened back in December. This was just before Pastor Mel passed away. My mom had gone to the hospital to visit him. She came home afterwards, and she goes, I just spoke with Pastor Mel. He wanted me to tell you to seek the Lord. And at the time, I said, I said okay, I, I will. I didn't think much of it. I, in my head, I was like, yeah, okay, seek the Lord. I do that already. Uh, I'm walking with the Lord. I'm fine. But fast forward to me, you know, sitting there looking at what's on my phone. God stopped me. He reminded me of those words, seek the Lord. And immediately I realized that I wasn't actually seeking the Lord. How could I say I'm seeking the Lord when I'm in reality... I'm on my phone seeking something else. It didn't make sense to me. 
But I then got reminded of another verse, or of a verse, First uh, John chapter two, verse fifteen: "Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the the love of the Father is not in them." That's what I was doing. I was in love with what the world had to offer me, and God made me realize that I was missing something. I realized I cannot love both God and the world; that they're actually in conflict. God's on one side, and the world is on the other. And so God told me that in order to get closer to him, I had to move away from worldly pleasures and take a step closer to God. But how did I do that? God told me to give it all up, give it all up to sacrifice for him. I had to give up what was grounding me to this world. I gave up on, on following sports. It was taking too much of my time time that I should have been using to build my relationship with God. And that's what Christianity is about. It's about our relationship. Another verse from, from 1 John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 6 says, If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. That's how I felt I was living. Being too concerned about the things of this world, walking in darkness and living a lie. So I felt God was just convicting me of that. I wasn't making room for the Lord to enter in my life. And so, and so because God interfered, he taught me more about what seeking him really looks like and that it requires us to sacrifice. To you, church, I would like to encourage you to take a look at your walk with God. Ask yourselves, what steps could I take to advance my spiritual relationship? Am I seeking God? And if so, how can I seek Him more? How can I make room for God? What do I have to sacrifice? I had to ask those same questions to myself. And they were sparked by what God was speaking to me. And maybe you've already asked yourself those questions, but you still need to respond. I pray that you do respond in the way God leads you to. I also pray that God speaks to you, that you have an encounter with God, as I was fortunate enough to have. Thank you. Okay, I don't know how to follow that, but um, hmm. so this week I had a lot of time to reflect because this week I became a Christian 25 years ago. And I was thinking about where God has brought my life and how Jesus is real. That song we were singing that said, Jesus still heals, that his blood is still reaching, that his love is still searching, is all true. And he sought me out for all 25 years and transformed my life. The message today is, trust God always, he is a good father. Romans 8.28, and we know for those who love God, all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. Proverbs 3.5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, and then always acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Jeremiah 17.7 and 8. 
Blessed in the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. That scripture really spoke to me because it wasn't just blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, but who trusts the Lord. It's not just like I trust God with like the talents he's given me or with me to be self-reliant or the gifts that he's given me. I'm trusting the Lord is the gift because he is the one who is weak when I am strong, whose grace is sufficient for me, whose blood covers me, who is a banner over me, who reconciles me to Jesus. It is the Lord. It is Jesus. We cannot reach the Father unless we have Jesus. And Jesus is real. It's not a far-off thing. You know, being a Christian, storms are going to come. We think that if we're a Christian, then we don't have to face storms, that abundant life means we're doing good. And if we're not doing good, we don't have enough faith or we're not walking well. And that's not what God says. We live in a fallen world. And either we're coming into a storm, we're in a storm, or we're going out of a storm. And for some of us, there's multiple storms going on at one time. And... We need to be like the tree planted by the water that sends out its roots into the stream. And you know, the tree that has the biggest root system is called the shepherd's tree, and it's in the Kalihari Desert. It's in the desert because it needs to seek so far to find water. And how many times does God say that I am the water, the streams, I am the well? We need his spirit. We need his word. We need both to be able to have a deep root system so we can be green in all seasons, so we can flourish in all seasons, so we can prosper in all seasons, in and out of season. So I'm going to tell you guys that You know, God has healed me from so much stuff. When I look back after 25 years, he surpassed all my dreams because I really didn't have any. He healed my heart. He filled my empty heart. He freed me from irrational fears, from anxiety and depression. He gave me a voice when I was so insecure I couldn't even tell a joke or speak in a group. The things that God has done in my life has been tremendous. And one of the hardest things for me growing up was growing up without a father. That was the biggest struggle for me. And over the years, God has shown me that God is truly my father, that I can fully trust him. And there was dreams that I had. The only dream I really had, because I didn't have a big family, it was just me and my mom, is I just wanted to get married and have a kid, or a couple kids. And... That took a long time. I didn't get married till I was 36 years old, and I would be at John and Rose's crashing their date nights, when, watching movie night with them, crying, asking them, am I ever going to have a kid? Am I ever going to have a husband eating all the popcorn? And as soon as John would start dozing off, I knew it was time for me to leave. And when I finally, me and Dwayne finally got together and he asked me to marry him, We planned our wedding in six weeks, and I didn't have a lot of money at the time, and I was thinking, like, God, I don't even think I haven't, like, I don't even think I'll be able to have a real wedding. We're 
Rose offered her home to me, so I thought maybe I could have like 25, 40 people max. So one day I was sitting in the sanctuary talking to God, and I'm like, God, you know, I really want to get married, and I've been wanting to, I've been waiting all my life, and now I don't think I can have a real wedding. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, Sharice, I will provide for you more than your earthly father could ever provide for you. And I am going to make it a testimony so you can share with everyone who doesn't have a father or who even has a father that I am truly their father. And so the wedding time came together and someone told me, I didn't have a venue, and someone told me to look at the Chinese bunkhouse in Steveston. And so I went and... It was um, supposed to be cheaper because it's like a historical building, community center prices. And when I got there, the guy who was deciding if you could have the venue, because they only have three weddings a year and they already had two, was a guy I went to high school with who also came to our church. And so he gave me the spot for the wedding. My mom gifted me thousands of dollars, my best friend and my aunt, my wedding photographer who traveled around the world and cost at least five to 10000 gifted me that. The flowers, my aunt paid for my dress. The decor me and Rose had covered. <laughs> Someone paid for the red and white wine. My hair, New York Fashion Week is where my hairdresser was. She came back and wouldn't let me pay my nails. Dwayne's friends covered the DJ, vide- videographer, lighting, and of course I had the pastor covered. And... <laughs> The thing is, I ended up putting $5,000 on my visa after it was all said and done. And a couple months later, there was a miraculous payment of $5,000 that came to my visa. And I remember calling them, Royal Bank, being like, hey, where'd this $5,000 come from? Like, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. And they said, well, I don't know. It's a legit payment. And I'm like, okay, but like, I don't know where it came from. I don't know. Maybe ask your mom. So I call my mom, and I'm like, Mom, did you pay $5,000 to my visa? And she goes, no, why would I do that? (laughs) And so that payment has been there to this day. And it was because God really wanted to show me that he was going to cover everything for my wedding, that he was my father, that he would take care of me, that he had me. And so I encourage you to trust God always, to trust his ways, to trust his timing, And above all, trust always that God is good. All right, I'd like to start with a word of prayer. So let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this day, and I thank you for this opportunity to uh, just be a vessel for your good news, Lord. I just pray right now for the Holy Spirit to enter this place and just to speak through me, Lord Jesus. I thank you for the price that your son paid at Calvary when he shed his blood and separated us from, from sin and washed us clean, Lord Jesus. And I just I thank you for the truth of that promise that, that uh, has ignited uh, something in me that ignites the whole church to come together to meet today. That's the reason why we're here is to glorify you and to, to raise your name, Lord Jesus. And I just thank you for that truth. And I just pray that your, that your love, that will just cover the entire room and that the whole room will be filled with the Spirit, Lord Jesus. Um, yeah, so the scripture that has been speaking to me lately is Matthew six twenty five, um, And uh, the message that I've been getting from it is to trust God completely and his righteous judgment. So the scripture says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, 
or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Um, and as I reflected over that word, um, I noticed the beginning is Jesus talking about life, saying, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink. Um, and in that moment, I kind of felt like eat or drink could mean literal food or it could be uh, financial um, coverage or just maybe, um, you know, your job or your career, or relationally, like just having that um, that assurance that these things are in play. And I believe that the truth is God wants us to trust him before all of these things. Um, I believe that faith itself is built on trust and that that when you can trust God in, in his fullness and in his goodness, that is what creates faith. And from there, we're able to do his work. And then the second part uh, goes on to talk about the body, about what you will wear. And that's where I really felt a word of um, judgment. I feel like a lot of times we can get wrapped up in like, the judgment of the world, what other people think, maybe what people are saying about us at our job, and these sorts of things. And at the end of the day, uh, the question that I wanted to ask for myself and for everyone else is, how can we trust in God and his righteous judgment for us this week moving forward for the rest of our lives? Because it's his judgment over us that separates life from death. Um, so I think one thing that we can all do is put on the full armor of God, um, arming yourself with the um, helmet of salvation, knowing that you are saved, that you are blessed, each and every one of you are claimed by the kingdom, um, uh, knowing that you have the breastplate of righteousness to protect you from the fiery arrows of the devil, um, the belt of truth, knowing, knowing where the truth is, right from wrong. These things are imprinted on my heart, and I know that my mother's here in attendance with my brother, my sister, and my niece in the back, and she's always just been, my mom specifically, has just been such a powerful woman of God, raising us up, right? Um, just no matter what the storm was, no matter what was coming up against us, she always moved forward in the truth, the truth that God loves her, the truth that it's not over, the truth that there's more to come and that there's more in store. Um, and it's that same truth that has brought me here today, um, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, and yeah, and I mean, I think one piece of the armor that I often struggle with is the actual shield of faith. I believe without this piece, the rest of the armor is useless. Um, they say uh, faith without works, uh, good works is dead, but also it works the other way around. So if you don't have faith, then you can't walk with God, and you can't uh, be in alignment with his will. So um, that was what was put on my heart today to share. I just wanted to finish off with another word of prayer. Um, Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this day. Thank you for um, the church being so full and um, uh, all people being gathered here today um, just to bow at your feet and just to, to praise your name. And you're worthy of that, of that praise, Lord Jesus, and your glory and, and your righteousness. And you just want intimacy with each and every one of us here in this room. You just want to, to get to know each and every... You created us to glorify you, Lord Jesus. And right now, I just want to glorify your name. I want to speak your glory over the church. I want to speak your glory over the nation. I want to speak your glory in this room right now. And I thank you, God. I thank you, God, for the truth of who your son is and what he has done for me, my family, and everyone here in attendance. And I just, I thank you for that truth. I pray that we can walk in that truth today and forevermore. And I just thank you for the peace that comes with your promise, God. I just speak a word of peace over each individual here. Thank you, Abba. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen.
Turn in your Bibles, if you have one, to Psalm 86. We're not going to be reading it through today, but just in case you want to reference it, um, it's good to have it handy. So prayer has been a reoccurring theme this year at Compass. And my hope today is that you will all be encouraged to pray and to continue praying, even when you think the Lord is silent, even when you're in a desperate situation and he still hasn't answered your prayer. And also, I want you to know that there's not just one correct way to pray. We're all created uniquely. We all have different prayer styles, and the way we pray also varies depending on the circumstance we're in. Not all of us are as eloquent as David. I know I'm not. Um, Jesus taught us how to pray in Matthew 6, and it's known as the Lord's Prayer. And I remember being taught the acronym when I was younger. Um, It's called ACTS, A-C-T-S, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication, which is kind of a format of prayer. It's an excellent guideline to use, but it's not the only way to pray. That's why when we pray together, we're not just reciting that same prayer, the Lord's Prayer, over and over again. There's unique prayers for everyone. Malik just prayed from the heart twice today um, in his speech, and praise God for that. We are a church of prayer. If we don't have prayer, we don't have a church. So I'm going to be talking about the elements of David's prayer in Psalm 86. Um, When I read this prayer the one word that comes to mind to me is desperation. It's obvious that David is in imminent danger. He's desperate, and he needs immediate help. It seems that his circumstance is the only thing that's on his mind because he mentions that he's calling on God constantly. You know, when you have a problem constantly throughout the day, you're, please, God, help me. Please, God, help me. So I think that's the situation he's in here. And the fact that he doesn't mention waiting on the Lord or I will wait on the Lord, which he does in his other psalms, he doesn't mention that here. So there's urgency in his tone. Um, When I was studying this, I noticed there's four types of statements that David makes throughout his prayer. And they're not happening in a consecutive order. So like the ACTS acronym, he's not you know, doing the adoration and then moving on to confession and then thanksgiving and supplication. He's going back and forth through several different things. So that tells me you pray from the heart. It doesn't have to be organized in a meticulous manner. Uh, It's you opening up your heart to God. So the first thing David does is he declares who God is. Um, I'm not saying this is the first thing David does. He doesn't actually do it till about verse 5, but he's declaring who God is. He is um, making declarations of God's character, of God's excellence, the great works God has done, and he makes these um, statements of adoration throughout the 17 verses. Like, God, you're so good. You're ready to forgive. You're filled with unfailing love. You answer prayer. You are great. You made all nations. You're compassionate, merciful, slow to anger, filled with faithfulness. You help me. You comfort me. So throughout the prayer, he is making declarations of who God is. The other thing I notice is David uh, makes declarations of what's his response to who God is. Because God is great, David reminds the Lord of how he lives his life in devotion to him. He says, um, I'm devoted to you. I serve you and trust you. I give myself to you. I will call to you whenever I'm in trouble. I praise your holy name. I want to live according to your truth. I want to honor you. I want to praise you. 
with all my heart. I want to give glory to your uh, name forever. And I know it kind of sounds like a resume statement, but it's not for David's ego to be inflated. It was to prove to God how great he is. And as a response of that, that's how David was living his life. And he's urgently asking God, saying, protect me for I'm devoted to you. Save me for I serve you and trust you. Um, And the other next um, pattern I noticed David using is he presents his requests to God, which is what we all do when we're praying. He asks God to hear his urgent cry. He acknowledges that God's position is higher than his because he asks God to bend down, incline your ear towards me. He states things like protect me, and he states the problem. There is a violent gang trying to kill me. He begs God for mercy. He even asks God for happiness to teach him his ways, to grant him purity, to give him strength. And he says one thing where he needs some affirmation, maybe because God had been silent to him. He said, send me a sign of your favor. And I'm so um, glad that he included that because a lot of times I need those signs. You just get discouraged. And lastly, David declares what will happen as a result of his prayer. David makes a few statements in his prayer that display his faith. And like Malik said, without faith, your, your walk with God does not exist. So David is calling out what he doesn't see yet, what he knows will happen as a result of his prayer. He says, you will answer me to God. Those who hate me will be put to shame. Nations will come and bow before you. They will praise your holy name. David is exercising his faith and praying out the things he hasn't seen yet. So to wrap this up, David's prayer is authentic. He doesn't follow the acts model or the formula. He forgot to um, confess his sins or to give thanks to God in this prayer. And it's okay. And David is, um, he's pleasing to God in this prayer. It's included in the holy word of God. So it's for us to learn from. So I just want to encourage you all, When we have prayer meetings, when we're praying together, don't hold back or feel like I'm going to be judged. My prayer is not good enough. It is good enough. It's you having communion with God. There is nothing better and there's nothing more that's pleasing to him. He wants a relationship with you. Thank you. Amen. Hear anything that spoke to you today? Yeah, yeah, some uh, uh, arranged but connected things. Uh, And God does that. You know, he always seems to do that. I think the last time we did this, we had, I think, something like 15 people speak for two minutes each or something like that. And I was amazed at how linked together uh, they were. And... um, yeah, I, so hunger for God, counting it joy when we're in trials, trusting God through um, all of these things, prayer, pursuing him in prayer, seeking God, and uh, all of these kinds of themes. I, I pray even now, Father, that you would take the things that have been spoken and what applies to each individual, you would highlight by the Holy Spirit the things that don't apply right now, so be it, Father God. We we thank you for uh, even this medley, this uh, sort of um, uh, bouquet of words, and pray that you'd plant and use the ones 
that you desire for each individual.